Um, I'll be reading Luke 22, verses 14 to 20. When the hour had come, he reclined at the table, and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I shall never again eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And when he had taken a cup and given things, he said, Take this and share it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine from now on until the kingdom of God comes. And when he had taken some bread and given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup which is poured out for you is a new covenant in my blood. Second Corinthians seventeen eighteen. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with every ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Galatians 5.16, so I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Dear Heavenly Father, I stand here only relying on your mercy and compassion. Only in your mercy and compassion and grace, I can be free and free to pro proclaim your good news of salvation. As we share your words of truth and salvation, also we remember Ukraine. Families and houses are being broken. Some complex political issues there, certainly, but more certainly, many people are in pain severely. So we pray together your peace in Ukraine as soon as possible. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, when I was elementary school kid, about first or second grade, um, usually we were educated about North Korea, that they were not so much almost human, but almost monsters. And because of the wounds of Korean War between communism and the freedom society, and there was animation named General Tori. So Tori was a boy, but he's a very courageous boy and defeating all those North Korean soldiers and, and marching up to North Korean government and fighting against Kim Il-sung, Il-sung Kim. And that Kim Il-sung suddenly transformed in the animation, TV animation, transformed to pig man. <laughs> and that General Tori defeated that pig man and eventually, that pig man transformed to a small pig and ran away, something like that. So that's something we watched when I was really small kid, that how 
evil and bad about North Korean people and soldiers. When I met a person from MCC 2015 that James Frey and his family, they visited North Korea more than five times to teach them agricultural techniques, techniques technologies. And James, um, he took some pictures of his own from his own camera as he traveled and teaching people about agriculture. And when I saw those pictures, some mold in my mind about North Korea was broken. What I saw from TV, from animation or news, it was always monstrous, killing, and pig-like, ugly North Koreans. But the pictures were just normal people, smiling, welcoming James. Just normal people like me. So it was quite shocking because the majority of image I I had seen was missiles and all those wars and soldiers, but there were so many normal people in North Korea. So that was something mold-breaking experience to me. And then I've been deeply touched by the work of MCC in North Korea. They seemed loving North Korean people more than us, more than South Korean people, investing huge amount of lives. Still, some MCC people in North Korea teaching English for free. I really respect that. Another mold-breaking experience about, uh, in my life that when I found in the history of a Korean church that there have been kind of a little bit hidden amount of violence in Korean churches. That being, so it's kind of also from the wounds of Korean War that many Korean people and Korean churches and Christians were killed by communist soldiers. And there were some reactions from Christians attacking, attacking uh, communist, communist soldiers. So some Christians became very bold and even violent. And they killed very also cruelly some communist people. So that kind of history of violence, as I learned it, it was very painful. And also in Korean political history, something like McCarthyism, that some political group, when they hate another group, then they easily labeling them as communists when they were not, something like that. When Jesus, in his public ministry, he, when he challenged the Jewish society about Sabbath, that Jesus deliberately performed a miracle and healed people on Sabbath days. And Pharisees and scribes became stumbled because of that, because Jesus intentionally healing and doing miracles on Sabbath day. But Jesus redefined about that long-lasted mold about Sabbath, that human beings are not for Sabbath, but Sabbath for human beings. So that was amazing redefinition about, from Jesus about Sabbath. And Jesus, as we see from Luke 22:20, 20, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Jesus has set the new covenant by his body and by his blood. The new covenant from the old covenant. About 
since late 80s or from early 90s, uh, there has been a tendency about Christian spirituality. So many people are now talking and mentioning about spirituality rather than Christian piety, something like that. And when we hear or study about spirituality, it might feel as something immaterial or intangible rather than practical. That kind of sense might be possible there. But in our biblical tradition, as we read from what Jesus said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. That new covenant has been set by, by Jesus' broken body and his spilled blood. So we cannot say about Christian spirituality as something immaterial or intangible. It is tangible and it is material, but not something like in the world, not gathering up and taking and stacking for ourselves or myself. That Christian materialism about sharing and giving and sacrificing. When we read um, book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 42 to 47. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And, the, and awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through through the apostles, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belonging and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, there they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. So when the Holy Spirit came upon the earliest church, their first response was being generous in their sharing materials in a very, very radical manner. And in doing that, the Lordship of the Holy Spirit was very certain and very strong strengthened and encouraged by the power of the Holy Spirit under Roman Empire. They became so free about being one in unity and sharing almost everything they had by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the lordship of the Holy Spirit in this new covenant is also very certain in Acts 15. Let us uh, turn to uh, Acts chapter 15, uh, verse 22 to 29. Let us turn to Acts 15, verse 22 to 29. This chapter is a critical chapter because the early church Christians, they struggled with their Jewish tradition and Gentile mission how they maintain their tradition while they, are, they were doing the Gentile mission. And the issue was circumcision. Some Jewish Christians raised an issue that if you do not receive circumcision, 
just like just as Moses ordered, you will not be saved even when you accept Christ. That became very fierce issue in the early churches. And they discussed about that, how they should deal with all that uh, mosaic law. They discussed a lot, a lot. And the result revealed in these verses. So uh, Acts 15 from verse 22 to uh, 29, let us read it together. Then it seemed good to the apostles and the elders with the whole church to choose men from among them and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. They sent Judas called Barabbas and Silas, leading men among the brothers with the fellow following letter. The brothers, both of the apostles and the elders to the brothers who are of the Gentiles in Antioch and Syria and Sicilia, greetings. Since we have heard that some persons have gone out from us and troubled you with words unsettling your minds, although we gave, we gave them no instructions, it has seemed good to us, having come to one accord, to choose men and send them to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have therefore sent Judas and Silas, who themselves will tell you the same things by words of mouth, for it has seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay on you no greater burden than these requirements, that you abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols and from blood and from what has been strangled and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourself from these, you will do well, farewell. What I want to highlight here that their conviction was not their own conviction. They believed that decision came from the Holy Spirit. So verse 28, it says, For it has seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. So we set this and send this guidance to you, you Gentile church. Be free from Mosaic law and now you have your freedom in Christ even without circumcision. So that was by no means a small decision because in Jewish tradition in their history, this circumcision was over through generation and generation and generation. And in, in, in the Old Testament, without circumcision, it was supposed to lose their Jewish identity. Without circumcision, you are, you are not anymore Jewish people. So it was their central mark of their Jewish identity. But now, with the guidance and the power and wisdom of the Holy Spirit, they could be free from that circumcision. I believe that was mold-breaking mold in the early church. So that being said, Jesus has set the new covenant by his body, his broken body, and spilt blood. And the major role of the Holy Spirit in the new covenant, as we think about the mold-breaking mold in Christian life, I have um, four encouragement today with that to experience or to increase the mold-breaking mold, something, something 
really new in our Christian routine in everyday life. First one is about experience the Holy Spirit. Experience. About eight months before, as I, as I, I was sitting in the day room in the working list, one, one person came to me, a young man, and he asked me a question, Songbin, you're a chaplain? Yes, I am, here. Why can I help you? And I have a question about American a Constitution, and I became a bit nervous. Um, but he asked me about um, why people here, Christians, can get in the, in this, in the jail and prison, workily, they are free about receiving their Christian Bible. And I am a satanic worshiper. Why it's impossible for me to receive satanic Bible? Isn't it something religious discrimination? And I was, I didn't show my emotion, but I was shocked my inside about meeting the satanic worshiper and his Christian. And it's, the Christian sounded a little bit fair still. So I prayed just shortly and then did my best to explain about how the American history respecting Christian belief and somehow tried to persuade him. But more than that, I did my best to respect him, not his opinion. So I called his name and I cannot, as a Christian chaplain, I cannot agree with your faith or your opinion. I cannot, uh, but I just want to respect you and your being here and your suffering in this place. And may I pray for you? And surprisingly, he said yes, <laughs> even being satanic worshiper, so I could pray for him in the name of Jesus Christ. And then two months before, same, in the day room of the work he leaves, he came to me. And he was coming from his meeting in AA meeting. And he told me, Sung Bin, I met God today. So I was even more shocked. <laughs> so would you explain a bit more? I don't know, it's my first time in AA as they explained about higher power. It's my first time after, my, after I lost my grandpa, I became so bitter about this word. But as they explained about higher power, I don't know. Now I'm ready to be so, sober in my life for the first time. And the more surprising point to me that they didn't, AA meeting leaders, they didn't explain or told him about Jesus or God. But he automatically, that higher power was God and Jesus Christ. And I want to go to church. I want to be baptized. And he told me, looking in my eyes directly, and Song Bin, God is real. At least in that moment, in the second, he taught me. Songbin, God is real. And then, now we are studying with um, Mennonite Confession 1995. I just did uh, to prepare him for his baptism, and he made tears reading about God. Something like that. So very pure heart. I don't want to be naive too much that still, as we see many relapse in the workplace and the jail, so I do not want to be naive. But his confession and his excitement that meeting God and telling me, Sangbin, God is real. 
his powerful experience still continuing. So that being said, about mold-breaking mold, something really newness in Christian life, I just want to tell you, be open to experience about the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe that's all open to all believers. Second point is about, about two weeks ago, we did a retreat program for uh, male residents of the work here list. And this time, the theme was about um, from tragedy to a healed life by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we discussed about the leader, the main speaker, and Corey Martin recommended a pastor in Middlebury, Pathway Community Church, Scott Miller. And in advance, I and Scott met, and we discussed about retreat and what we should share in the retreat, and it was wonderful. And Scott Miller, he shared about his personal testimony about kind of losing his parents by car accident and how their family could forgive the drunken driver who killed his parents. It was wonderful, a testimony. And Scott Miller encouraged people, uh, those residents, that when we accept Christ, the power to defeat sin is given. It's given enough. And the power of the Holy Spirit, he preached a lot. And all of us somehow became curious how how we can accept the power to defeat the power of sins. That is a kind of issue of sanctification. How can you grow in Christ? And he explained about the need of discipline, reading the Bible and daily praying and church fellowship. But he is about personal, his personal routine. He, get, he shared that as a tip, that the moment he opened his eyes in the morning, the moment he opens, he opens his eyes in the morning. Holy Spirit, this is your day. Lead me and guide me and use me as your tool. This is your day and I am yours. Lead me, Holy Spirit. And that came to me quite meaningful and it seemed not that difficult. So whenever I open my eyes in my bed every morning and not even that moment when I forgot and then just before I start my driving to my job, just as I starting my day, Holy Spirit, this is your day. I want to be used by you. And that has been quite meaningful. And that prayer lasts with me the whole day. Lord, Holy Spirit, this is your day. Guide me as you, as you will, as you will. In Romans chapter 8, verse 14 to 15. May I ask anyone to read that chapter, uh, verse for us, please? Romans chapter 8, 14 and 15, please. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. So in our identity, as we sang, I'm a child of God, yes I am. And that our growth as a Christian, that mold-breaking mold, as Jesus challenged about the tradition of a Sabbath and circumcision with Paul, what makes our Christian life really new everyday routine is the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And another speaker in the retreat named Greg Fry. 
it mentioned about the fruits of the Holy Spirit. The fruits of the Holy Spirit and the fruits of our flesh, right? And in that battle, spiritual battle between the fruits of the Holy Spirit and the fruits of the flesh, the point is Galatians 5.16. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of flesh. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. I believe this battle between flesh and the spirit is a lifetime battle, I believe. Especially in our time of huge amount of distraction with our cell phone, with our laptop, with our SNS and mass media, whatever. There are so many things about distraction. But what Paul encourages us about is walk by the spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. That's point two encouragement from today's sermon. And third one, the mold-breaking mold in Christian faith, it's about mission. It's been my privilege that I've been joining a Zoom worship group every Saturday. It's about um, Japanese people and some American people to, to support those declining, shrinking Japanese church in Tokyo. And I've been learning about Japanese context, about their Christian presence, and being in the group has been so much blessing to me because the more I learn about Japanese context, the more I marvel at the faith of Japanese people. The population of Japanese Christian is 0.45%, less than 1%. They are not communist country, but because of their traditional uh, religion named Shinto and combined with Buddhism, the Christian presence has been really, really extremely minority in Japanese context. And those youth and boys and kids as they attend their school, elementary school and middle school, they easily got bullied because of their Christian faith. Because it is so minority and it is, it's, it's, it's deemed as something not Japanese traditional thing. So those boys and kids and girls being bullied because of the faith. And as I hear their testimony, how they endured and still praising, still worshiping, still holding fast the name of Jesus Christ. I had to repent because I took it for granted. My faith, my church in South Korea here, every day worship, taking so, so granted. But they couldn't do that because all that hostile atmosphere in the Japan. And they need to pay the cost being Christian. So I'm trying to support the Japanese church with the other persons there. As we think and learn about mold-breaking mold in Christian faith, mission must be there. They're thinking about other countries. I heard about the, the suffering of Indian church from our Indian friend. Uh, their church office was robbed by many robbers. 
Also, North Korean churches, underground church, being tortured by soldiers and being killed. Actually, whenever I thought about, I'm in the process of my credentialing process to be ordained a pastor. But since I have heard too much about persecution in North Korea, all those communist countries, it was so cruel. Then I had to think, if I'm, if I'm to be ordained pastor, I need to risk my life, something like that. Because from Seoul to Pyongyang, only three-hour drive or four-hour drive. And people there are being tortured and being killed because of their Christian faith. There are people when while we enjoy this freedom of worship and praising, there are people being tortured and suffering because of their Christian faith. And missionaries investing, committing their life to share Christian faith. As we want to renew and refresh our Christian faith, our Christian commitment, thinking about Christian mission and missionaries and those who suffer under, under persecution is needed, I believe. When Jesus brought his disciples to a mountain and there's, there was a transfiguration and the cloud came to them and told them something. It is written in Mark, Mark chapter 9, 1 to 7. Transfiguration. From verse 2 I read it. And after six days Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his clothes became radiant, intensely white, as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. For he did not know what to say, for they were terrified. And a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud, This is my beloved son. Listen to him. So this is deemed as the voice of the Father in the Old Testament and giving authority to Jesus Christ from the Father. This is my beloved son. I'm well pleased with him. Listen to him. Another critical verse with the Holy Spirit is John 15, 26. John 15, 26, it describes about work of the Holy Spirit. It says like this, but when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. So as I meditate, the, the approval from the Father and the work of the Holy Spirit, it all focusing on Jesus Christ. The cloud, from the cloud, the Father said, this is my beloved son, you listen to him. And when Jesus taught about the work of the Holy Spirit, it's not about something too much mystical, extreme, something like that. No, it's about Jesus Christ. I still believe the power of miracle. I believe power of supernatural guidance of God. And Scott Miller shared testimony about many healings 
in his church. I believe it. And I appreciate that. But the most important thing about the work of the Holy Spirit is about testifying about Jesus Christ himself. I believe so. And when we think about the mold-breaking mold, the newness in Christian life, most important thing, it might seem too, too cliche, but it's about Jesus himself. Some people in our day, they use that name for their own agenda. Whether it's conservative people, whether it's progressive people, or old guard, or liberal tend to use that name for their hidden agenda, which is not good. Accepting Christ as it is written in the Bible. And book of James describes about heavenly wisdom. The first character of heavenly wisdom is about purity. Reading the Bible without any other lens, but as it is. And accepting Christ as it is written in the Bible, rather than to use it for our own political or social, whatever our own agenda, but accepting it as it is, and it will become quite revolutionary, I believe. As we discussed in step meeting about sermon series, and today is the last time I believe, encouraging something new in our Christian routine, Christian life, we really want to make it effective. And we agreed about the, the expression mold-breaking. And I believe with our open and clear eyes, as we behold our Savior, Jesus Christ, over and over, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that will anyhow continue in us something new every morning, something new every morning, God's steadfast love for us. Let's pray. Uh, dear God, Heavenly Father, thank you for this moment that we can gather together and worship together for your glory in the precious name of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. And we want to grow, grow anew. We want to taste your grace on you, which, are, which, are, which is new, which are new every morning, your steadfast love. And to do that, Lord, help us to experience your Holy Spirit, be guided and bearing fruits of the Holy Spirit, and, and trying to worship as well as investing for your mission, thinking about Christians under persecution and missionaries investing their life. And not to use this gospel, not to use Jesus' name for my own character, for my own thinking and my own, my own plan, our own agenda. But to follow Jesus as it is written in the Bible with pure heart. And I believe that will increase the great newness, new grace in our Christian lives, I believe. Poor your Holy Spirit upon us, that we also may say, just like the person in the work he is, that to our neighbors, God is real. And we may experience and taste that real grace everyday life. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.